Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Welcome everybody this morning. Does it feel like fall now? Yes. Okay. Those of you have been wanting rain, it's coming. And it's going to come until March. And so... Remember that when you've been praying for rain. I know we need it, our fish need it, and everything like that, but here we are. Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about this word resilient. Resilient means to be able to spring back into shape after bending, stretching, or being compressed. And in these often challenging times, as we are now, economically, as we see storm clouds on the horizon, it seems like, see the reality of food prices increasing. We see the usual stuff of our life, and then we see the global issues that are happening with all kinds of things that are seemingly crazy going on in the world around us. But Jesus spoke to this in Matthew 7, and this has been our theme scripture for this series. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, say, I'm listening. Some of you are, that's all right. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house or that person, yet it did not fall. Say it didn't fall because it had its foundation on a rock. And through the battering of a storm, through rain falling, streams rising, floods happening, we can stand firm and resilient. We can be more resilient, facing challenges through times of wind, flood, all of that, and come through stronger with a measure of growth and stability and success. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that your word is quick, your word is powerful. Thank you that it will accomplish the purpose it's sent out to do. Lord, I pray that you would rule and overrule. You'd go around me and through me. Lord, do whatever it takes to get to our hearts. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, in the way that each of us as individuals need to be spoken to this morning. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, the light came back. Here it is. Who likes surprises? Uh, Somebody is definitely, not me. Whatever you're planning, Pastor, do not do it. (laughs) Who likes surprises? When when Shanda and I were dating, which was when the earth was cooling a long time ago, and I had this practice, or Shanda had a practice, I should say, still hasn't been healed of it, but the Lord is working, where when you go to get something at the restaurant, usually fast food, You say, do you want anything? (laughs) No, I don't. That's what she says. Or do you want this certain food? Because I'm getting some of this, but do you want some? No, I don't want any. I'm fine. Do you want dessert? No, I don't want dessert. Okay, I'm going to get dessert. And then what happens? (laughs) Many years ago, we were driving along and... Uh, stopped for a cheeseburger at McDonald's, which were 49 cents at the time. And I hardly could pay, pay that. 
when we were dating, and I said to Shanda, do you want a cheeseburger? Do you want something to eat? I didn't know. I, I, I probably needed manna to fall from heaven because I was in Bible college, had no money for anything, but it was my girl. And so she said, no. We're driving down the road a few minutes later. I'm enjoying this cheeseburger. I was hungry. Bible college didn't feed us so much back in those days. And I was eating it, and suddenly she said, can I have a bite? I opened the window and I threw it out. She was surprised. Thought I should check in for therapy at that day, but that's just surprisingly. I still love to surprise Shanda. I can sneak up behind her. It's wonderful. She's lost in a book or she's cooking at the stove and I'll just suddenly come up behind her. I'm like a cat. And I come up and I'm like right behind her. And so that's when she turns around, I'm like, hi. <laughs> it's the best. Well, not always the best. I never, never mind. I also can get surprised when I get dressed in a way that I think is quite good. I think out my outfit, put it all together. When you're colorblind, if you can put something together, it's a miracle and you enjoy the moment. And when I come out and I... First thing my wife says is, are you wearing that? (laughs) Kind of like some of you are thinking this morning, perhaps. I don't know. (laughs) Surprises can be a wonderful thing when you're you're the one. If you like surprises, and some of you hate surprises, some of you love giving surprises. Some of you like to get a surprise present. It never has worked out well for me with my wife. I don't, now, now I just say, what do you want from this list? And I'll get that. Because there's been a few times when it's been opened up and it's like, oh, that's interesting. And then it gets set to the side. And then I see it in the thrift store pile later. Surprise. Sometimes you get surprised with a cake. Sometimes when you're out with your friends and somebody decides to buy your dinner. Surprise. It's wonderful. And when we have surprises that are good, we like them. We enjoy them for the most part, except for the person over here who I can't see right now who doesn't like surprises. But most of us like surprises when they're good things. But there are sometimes surprises that send us for a loop. I can remember when I went into an office thinking I was going to get a promotion and I got fired. Surprise. Or maybe newlyweds having their first fight and or their quarrel and their surprise that their spouse can be so wrong for so long. When you find out very seriously that your spouse was having an affair and now wants a divorce, surprise. Or when you're a young person, you've graduated high school and you're starting university and you're into this wonderful pathway and you discover that adulting is a lot harder when you're the one that has to pay the bills. Surprise. You came to Canada with so much hope and anticipation of it's going to be easy. And you've discovered that it's far harder than you ever thought it was going to be. Surprise. You have rent and your mortgage over the last six months has skyrocketed and you're like, how am I going to do this? You got married with great joy and love and you never anticipated that you would be where you are now where you're addicted to alcohol, drugs, or pornography. You never thought that would happen to you. Surprise. 
Or maybe as a child, you thought your family was doing great until one day one of your parents abandoned your family for someone else's. Or your friendships, maybe they were doing really, really good, but you're absolutely surprised at how they've blown up over different positions over the last two years. Or when you're driving and the person surprisingly stops quickly and you hit them in the back at a high rate of speed. Or you've been healthy all your life. You eat right, eat your vegetables, go for the walks, do all the things, and you feel a twinge in your chest, go to get it checked out, and you're not long until you're on the operating table getting a heart operation. Surprises like these, they come. And they can cause us to have all kinds of emotions from anger to fear to frustration to hatred to bitterness to all kinds of emotions coming up in the sense of loss of, loss of control, loss of situations, loss of resources. Surprises that often challenge our resiliency, our stability, wreak havoc in our relationships, and even rattle our faith at times. Losing courage, losing hope, losing joy. But what does God say to people that are on trial, in trial, under the gun, in difficulty, in pain, in situations that they don't understand, where you find yourself saying, What is going on? Why is this happening to me? I thought this would not... What? How could this be? Why would they ever say that? How could they do that? What is going on? My goodness. And maybe words not so nice. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 15 I think it's going to be on the screen. Yes. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Everybody say, surprise. Because most of us are. That's why Peter had to write this. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Mm. Instead, <laughs> be very glad <laughs> who wrote this. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Don't you love that? Murder, stealing, making trouble, and then throw in, oh, and prying into other people's affairs. Why is Peter saying, don't be surprised? Why did he have to say that? Because he's trying to help us. Because to be forewarned is to be forearmed. So when you expect it, you can be better prepared and you can come through with some understanding, perhaps more resilient in it all. But we see three things to not be surprised about. Number one is that trials are part of life. It's not when, or it's not if, it's when trials happen. The process is different for every one of us, but they will come to every one of us. Trials are difficult. 
in case you hadn't known. Peter uses this word fiery because he wants us to know that these seasons will be hard. Sometimes there are long seasons. Sometimes there are short seasons. Sometimes they can feel unfair. Sometimes they can feel undeserved. And they're difficult. Trials, though, have purpose. Paul, Peter said so that you can be partners with Christ. Trials speaks to refining and purifying that test our character. The word fire reminds us that it's hot. It's burning like a metal being prepared by heating to melt it and the impurities rise to the top and get taken out so that the metal will be more resilient and more useful for what it's being prepared for. The scriptures often say to be glad and joyful because you have this in mind. Don't be surprised by trials, but be changed by Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. So where do trials come from? You're like, I have a list of people. Because sometimes trials come through the actions of others. Sometimes the other is unaware of the impact they've had on you. Sometimes it's clear and present in betrayal and gossip and slander. Sometimes trials today that we're walking in are due to issues that we walked through in our childhood. Issues such as abandonment and neglect or abuse or chaos in your childhood. Secrets maybe even that you've tried to bury even from yourself. Someone has said, uh, speaking to the effects of the generations upon those that come after them. Jesus might be in your heart, but grandpa and grandma are in your bones. In other words, you can be saved and know Jesus. But the effects of your generations behind you and how one to the next to the next affects us today. Sometimes trials come through our own immaturity or sin. Peter says that our trial must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. In other words, there are those kind of trials. It's not an exhaustive lift, but a simple reminder that sometimes it's our own actions. Sometimes trials come simply because we live in a sin-cursed world with all kinds of chaos going on and things bump us and hurt us. It's part of life and a part of the struggle. Sometimes they are sent by God. Scripture is clear on that. And sometimes it's a spiritual attack. And Peter references someone insulting you because of Christ. Because sometimes the enemy is using someone to get at you. But Paul in Ephesians 6 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil. The challenges we live in today can confuse us and cause us to lose sight of who our real enemy is. But spoiler alert, it's not your boss. It's not that politician on TV or even the guy who cut you off in traffic. When we misjudge who our enemy is, the challenges can become even greater. In some ways, where your trials come from is almost immaterial. Because I think sometimes we use it to deflect responsibility or blame somebody. Because it's not always clear in the moment. Sometimes you don't understand it until you look back and say, oh. But it can be helpful to know what is going on. What is happening? See, Romans 8 and 28, if you're a follower of Jesus, is one of the most powerful scriptures in moments like this. And it says, and we know. Say, I know. 
that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. See, God never says, oops. God is not on his throne, wringing his hands, wondering how it's all going to work out. Even if I can't see how and I don't feel it and I don't know it, I can be confident of this, that God is working things out for my good and my glory if I love him and I'm following him. So what that tells me is I don't have to forever be a victim. I don't need to forever be stuck in what happened or is happening. I don't need to be worried about being controlled by others ultimately. Or by my past, I must step out of blaming and begin to take today to take responsibility for where my life is at right now. Because there's a lot of things going on that I have no control over and I just need to start by understanding what might be going on. Because the purpose of trials can be different for each and every individual according to your situation, according to what's happening in your life, according to who you are and where God is taking you. That's why what somebody is going through, don't... You may, like, I've never had that issue because God is preparing you for something different. It's not because they're worse and you're better or you're, you're worse and they're better. It's simply because God is a good God and he's processing you in the way that you need to be processed so that he can bring you out into what he has prepared for you, which is good for you. The adjustment of God. But don't be surprised by trials. Be changed by Jesus. Because some purposes of trials is first is they reveal me to me. They reveal me to me. Even, uh, have you ever been in a heated situation where you said something that you would not normally say? Anybody? Put your hand up. Be honest. Yeah. Or when someone cuts you off in traffic when you're already late and you say something or wave at them. In a way that you might not normally do. Or you spend a lot of your time maybe in your life, you recognize a lot of time complaining and venting about what's happening or what has happened in your life. And it's in those moments that we are fully revealed. See, trials don't cause me to sin or you to sin by making me impatient or making me angry or causing me to withdraw or curse or complain. They simply reveal what's inside of me. It's not fun. But if you cap a volcano, the lava will blow out somewhere else. And if you try to cap your anger to your, by not getting upset at your kids, it's probably going to blow out when you kick the dog when you come home or cut that person off and tell them some certain names that they are. See, trials reveal our weaknesses. Trials reveal our sins and our flaws that are destroying us, destroying our relationships, and destroying our lives. But the comfort in all of that is that God reveals, it was referenced already, God reveals so that God can heal. He's not there just to point it out so he can, you know, give you a whack and say, suck it up, buttercup. God reveals so God can heal. So anxiety is often a clue that there's something that God wants to heal. When I blurt that word out in my frustration, it's often 
a clue that there's something that God wants to get at in my character. And only once I see my sin as it is, can God truly begin to work within me. Because the greatest battle is not all the other ones. The greatest battle is inside of me, inside of you. And because of this, God's trials are the greatest instrument of growth for you in your life. The greatest step that could ever happen to you to start to move you forward into the dreams of God for your life. Because before he can prepare, while he's prepared something for you, he has to prepare you for it. Joseph, who went through all kinds of stuff in the Bible, had a great dream from God and got betrayed by his brothers, got sold into slavery, betrayed by someone else, thrown into prison unjustly, forgotten by others. And God worked it out and brought him to the place that he had dreamed for him. But it says this, Joseph was sold as a slave in Psalm 105. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. But I have a dream, God. What are you doing? Till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved Joseph true. In other words, the trial was proving Joseph and preparing him for what God had already prepared for him. And he does the same for us. He's not changed. So not only does God do that to reveal me to me, he also brings trials to strengthen me. What? To strengthen me? James 1, 2 to 4 says, there it is again, count it all joy. Wow, how can you say that? Because we have a different perspective. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or resilience, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, that's mature, be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It helps you grow up, it helps you strengthen you. There is a time where in my life where I wanted to run a half marathon, I had that goal and I thought I've got to do it uh, before I wanted to do it when I was 40. It took a couple more years and I've told this before, but I signed up for it months ahead. I didn't just show up on race day and say, oh, I'm going to run. I've never, I had, I could hardly at that time run 500 meters, let alone 21 kilometers. And it started little by little and I could go out and it was cold and rainy and I could maybe do a half a kilometer and then, then it became one kilometer and then it became three kilometers and then it was five and then I was regularly running 10 and 15 and, and finally I can remember the day where I did 20, over 20 kilometers and I remembered it the next day even more. <laughs> but then when it came to race day, I was like a little bit in, fearful because I'm like, I've never run this far and raced with other people. And by the end, I made it to the end under two hours. I had a slight injury along the way. And I don't know if I've run since then, but I did it. <laughs> the reality being that I was able to do that because of trials along the way. Getting me ready. And every trial that God sends or allows, even our daily frustrations, are meant to test us and grow us stronger. Much like our physical body grows stronger with the trials of exercise and weights and running and all those things, our soul goes stronger through the trials of life. Mm. Without trials and testing, our physical body will go weaker and we become less resilient. But trials, even little ones, get us ready for what's next. So if you're in a trial right now, God's strengthening you for something that's bigger than you can handle right now, but he's getting you ready for it. 
Someone has said that soldiers realize that it's war that makes generals. In other words, what I'm going through right now is preparing me for, a, for an upgrade that's coming later. We don't always understand that trials are part of the program of God, and he uses them to strengthen us and prepare us for our future. And they produce a deep resiliency in us that enables us to win. Don't be surprised by trials. Be changed by Jesus. They also, trials can discipline me. Even that word discipline for some of us, some of you in the room maybe that were disciplined in a way that was inappropriate or even abusive or a way that was not good. You're like, "Ah, I don't know. But discipline, biblical discipline is not like this. It's like This is what it is. It says, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Why? Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. God's disciplining us to work something out of us that's hurting us today and will hurt us long term. We have three daughters, and when they were young, they were perfect, and we never had to discipline them. It was amazing. Not at all. They were the product of their parents, so they had issues. And all of them needed to be disciplined at various times and to help them, to set them on a path so that they could walk with a greater chance of success, greater uh, ability to have relationship and to succeed in life. And that's what God's discipline is about. He's adjusting us. He's redirecting us. He's setting us on a path through, sometimes through grievous trials because he knows what's in front of us and he wants us to be well prepared so he will discipline us and work something out of our life. First one is to reveal me to me. Final one is to reveal Jesus to me. As I go through trials, as we go through trials with peace and joy. Others are watching. They're watching to see if I respond with joy. But when I have joy during loss, it points the finger to Jesus that he's better. But unfortunately, joy is sometimes a challenge. Or when you're going through loss or pain, it's not my default setting. Maybe it is for you. But often our default is complaining self-pity, or seeking sympathy. So before I can respond in joy, God must teach me that Jesus is enough. That Jesus is my source. That Jesus is my strength. That Jesus is my very life. And he teaches me through trials and tribulations that he is my treasure, he's my joy, and he loves to be with me. Not just to give things to me, but to be with me. See, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's close. He's close to you. You say, well, I thought he's with me. He's with you. He's close, simply trying to give us an imagery of somebody who's drawn alongside of us in the middle of it all. Because through the trials, Jesus also wants to reveal himself to you and to me in a way maybe that we currently do. Because I'll tell you what, Nothing gets our attention faster than pain. Doesn't mean I laugh it off. Loss hurts a lot. 
But my joy is not something, when I discover that it's in Jesus, it's not something that can be shaken. We can feel incredible loss on one hand and unshakable joy on the other. Don't be surprised by trials. Be changed by Jesus. But pastor, it's so hard. It is. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says this. We, we now have this light shining in our heart. But we ourselves, we're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God. Not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. I like it when scripture is real. What is going on? We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down. feels like there's always something out to get me, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. We are fragile clay jars. The recognition of scripture is that we're just people and it's not always easy. And if we rely on our own ability, our own strength, our own, our own understanding, our own skill set, our own gifting, we won't make it. But even though I'm powerless to change by myself, but through Jesus, we have a great treasure and power available to us in the person of Jesus on the inside. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not going through it alone. There's a power you can tap into. Don't be surprised by trials. We are and can be changed by Jesus. How do I rely on God's power? I've got four things. They're good. <laughs> Number one, be aware and prepare. I was, while I was writing this, I was thinking, this is a Boy Scout. Be aware and prepare. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through it. In other words, it's going to happen. There's going to be a time when I walk through something that's harder than I've ever walked through before. That's more difficult, that's darker, that causes me to wonder which way is up. That causes me to wonder if God hears. But in those moments, I remind myself, I'm aware that there are times that are dark. There are times that there's a long valley. There are times where it feels like death and evil are so close to me in so many spaces. And I prepare myself by pre-deciding I am not going to the valley. I am going through the valley. That the God who is in me is with me. He's taking me through. He doesn't just drop me off and say, I'll see you in a while. He's walking right beside me. He's hearing my cry. He's hearing my, my despair. He's drawing near to me. He's putting his arm around me. He's saying, son or daughter, I'm with you in this. So be aware and be prepared. Predecide. I'm not stopping. I might be perplexed right now. I might not know what's going on, but I remind myself that Jesus is with me in it all. See, Jesus was with his disciples in the, in the middle of a storm in a boat. He's sleeping at the back all by himself. Everybody is like freaking out and they wake him up and say, don't you care that we're going to die? And he 
looks at them. He says some things, but the end of it all, he calmly gets up and rebukes the wind and the waves with a word. And it was completely calm. So be aware and be prepared that Jesus desires to rebuke the raging winds and storms that you're in. And even if he doesn't rebuke the wind and storms, he can bring calm to the storm inside of you. Even if the circumstances continue to rage seemingly out of control, be aware and be prepared. Number two, call and clarify. What do you mean? Psalm 86 and 7. When, when, not if, when I am in distress, I call to you. Why? Because you answer me. Because you answer me. Call upon Jesus. And it's, that's where I unburden my heart. That's where I let things go. That's where I cast my cares on him. That's where I come to him and respond to him. And he answers and he clarifies and helps me to understand what's going on. And sometimes he clarifies and says, it's all right. You're going to be okay. But in writing the psalm above, see, King David knew how important it was to call and to clarify what was going on. So he could access God's strength, God's power, and God's perspective. David in 2 Samuel 5 had an enemy coming against him, the Philistines, and he was under great trial. And he asks of the Lord, he clarifies. He calls out and then he clarifies, God, what's going on? He said, you see these Philistines, shall I go up against them? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord says, go up. All right, he goes up and he beats them. Just a few verses later, the Philistines are back. And David says again, he clarifies, God, what's going on? Do you want me to go up against them again? And God says, no, don't go up. Go around behind them and you're going to whoop them. And he whoops them again. Same enemy, different circumstance, different perspective, clarification. And in moments in our life, there are times when we just have to say, God, how do you want me to respond? Is it forgiveness? Is it talking with a friend? Is it enduring? Is it prayer? Is it more silence and solitude? Is it more listening? Is it a counselor? Is it a doctor? Let me encourage you to go to Set Free Retreat on November the 19th. But let God readjust us in those moments. God, help me. And also, I want to be listening so God can clarify how I'm to respond in the middle of it. Because he has a strategy for me in the middle of the trial. Number three, care and bear. Care bears. See, you're going to remember that. Boy Scouts, I just called to say I love you. And then the care bears are all here. We need people. Safe people. Galatians 6 and 2 says, bear, carry each other or bury each other's burden. And this way you will fulfill the law of Christ where we choose to come alongside one another. Sometimes I'm the one carrying the burden. Sometimes somebody is carrying my burden. We help ease the burdens of others when we choose kindness and mercy and generosity. It helps us to take time to listen, to pray, to put an arm around one another so that we don't go through it alone. And finally, rest and move. All these seem Isaiah 43 and 1 and 2. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created Jacob, who formed you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. That's it. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you 
pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. What's the rest? Rest in God's promise. He's got you. I will be with you. The river will not sweep over you. You will not be destroyed. This season has a reason, but it's not your life. This season has a reason, but this season is not my life. And I move in God's power with God's help, determined to do whatever it takes to sort through your trial. Don't let it be wasted. Don't let it go on longer than it needs to. Determine though inside of you, I'm going to move forward in God. No matter what I'm go- I've gone through in my past, no matter what I'm going through right now, that the God who is allowing this, who is inviting me into this process right now is with me, that I can move forward. I can see uh, and overcome what I've been experiencing, that this trial is not the end of the story, that God's using it to rewrite my story, that God is adjusting me, that God is preparing me, that God is anointing me in the presence of my enemy, that God is feeding me on a table in the presence of my enemies, that God is doing what you cannot, that God is moving in ways that you always wished he would, but let him move through your life in the process of a trial. Let him move in the middle of it all. Let him move even through things that have uh, brought pain into your life, that God would redeem them, that God would reconcile, that God would overrule and rule what's been spoken that God by his good spirit will do what you could never do by yourself. But there's this power inside of you. There's Jesus inside of you that is able to cause you to be overcoming. That is able to cause you to be the head and not the tail. That is able to cause you to be overwhelmingly victorious through Jesus. That the story is not over. It's not over until he says it's over. You're not done until he says you're done that the trial that you're going through is preparing you for a future that you've dreamed of and even the bad things that have gone down where the enemy has seemed to have his way, that God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask, think, or even imagine. Don't be surprised by trials, but be changed by Jesus because nothing is a surprise to God. The rains came The streams rose, winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I want to invite you to stand to your feet and close in prayer. And then we're going to close out with a song. Same. Every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're watching online or you're in Princeton. Just give privacy to the people around you. If you're in a, in a space, maybe it's not a grievous trial, but you know you're in a trial because you see some fruit in your life that you're like, mm, that's not good. Anxiety, it could be fear, it could be quarreling, it could be all kinds of things. If you're in some kind of space of trial, I want to pray with you and for you. Just raise your hand real quick in the room. I want to pray with you and for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us in the middle of it all. That what you're working in 
is more than what's working in us right now. That what you're working out for us, I should say, is more than what's working in us. But Lord, thank you that you are able to do what we cannot. We trust you, first of all. We, we're aware, Lord. We want to be prepared for all that we're going through, Lord Jesus. We want at the end of it all, see Jesus more clearly. Be a better man, be a better woman, be a better husband, be a better employee. But most of all, fall more in love with Jesus, who is the one who transforms and changes us. We acknowledge our absolute desperate need for you. That you who have begun a good work will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure inside of us, the very Spirit of God. For it's God who works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. We acknowledge our desperate, desperate need for you, Jesus, in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our city, in our nation, and around the world. In the strong name of Jesus. Amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.